Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays Podcast is back yet again with just one week remaining to the NBA trade deadline, and we'll be getting to that in due order with Ryan Bernardoni at DangerCart on Twitter. But first, Ryan, uh, we, we we are obligated to talk about uh, a, a blood of historic proportions on Wednesday night against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Celtics, they really were kind of due for one of these. They hadn't had a blood probably since at least, it feels like a month, maybe like back in Phoenix was the last time they had a beat down to to the to this level, but the uh doing it to the nets, the shorthanded nets, but the the way they pretty much just dominated 48 minutes on both ends of the floor was uh certainly a welcome sight after a somewhat rocky uh last two weeks. Yeah, it turns out you have to uh play and particularly shoot well in order to blow teams out. Mm. And that if you don't do that, then it's hard to blow teams out. Uh they had not played well, not just for the the little three game losing streak, but they didn't play well against the Lakers. They hadn't played they obviously won the game against the Warriors, but I don't think played particularly well. I don't think they had played particularly well, even back to like the Charlotte game. Um, and some of that is just, it's, you know, it's January that happens. Even good teams, they have a little period where they, they go through uh, a little bit of a malaise and have a bad and guys are out too. whatever and guys are out. Yeah. I mean, all of it, right? Like they just hadn't played particularly well. And yesterday they, you open the game and you make eight threes in the first whatever it was four and a half minutes and it's like okay the game's over the nets basically rolled over like they were not playing any defense the entire rest of the way um they have guys who can make shots and so they, it wasn't like a an embarrassing score on offense but like that they just didn't care at all on defense and so the Celtics were just able to to roll through it um uh, but that's really what happens right like you have this little str- the spurt at the beginning where it's like the, the nets can't make anything the Celtics literally everything that they're throwing up there from no matter how far away it is is going in and I think that the Nets were just like, all right, it's not our night. <laughs> we're going to take the next 42 minutes and we're going to, we got, we know we got to be out here, but we're not, we're not putting a ton of effort in. Uh, and that's kind of what it looked like to me, but yeah, it's good teams blow out teams, right? Like that's sort of the hallmark of it. It's not that you win close games where it's a lot of luck. It's like good teams don't get into close games or they get into fewer close games by winning blowouts. And, and as you said, they hadn't had a blow in a while, but when you shoot like that and run up against a team that didn't seem super interested in trying to fight back, uh, you end up leading by nearly 50 at one point and um, making what that, that adds like a basically like an entire point to their point differential for the year. Um, not quite, but what a lot of it uh, comes from from games like that after not not playing super well uh, in the, the lead up. It's I mean, they scored I'm going to clean your glass here. They scored 141.8 points per on the possessions, 99th percentile. Um and for them to be at that level without with literally not going to the free throw line at all, like in that. Yeah, the refs guess, also did not care after the yeah, first right. They were like, we're not calling any of this. Like, just go. If you if you guys don't care, we don't care. They're, they weren't calling fouls. There were a couple of ones that you were like, those are really obvious travels. And in a year when they've called like a lot of travels, the refs were just like, no, we're not. Just let's get this over with. And it was great. It was a nice tidy two hours despite the yeah. ESPN game. So like that was uh, 
that was a dream situation there. But yeah, I think, I mean, the bottom line for like, uh, you know, Marcus Smart is still out of the lineup, whether or not he comes back before the all-star break remains to be seen. But this is the first really positive offensive performance we've seen. And with him out of the lineup, I think um, since he went down with that ankle injury and, you know, the guys, your stars were making shots, but I think, I think you saw Rob Williams, probably his best offensive game of the year in terms of, you know, punishing on the offensive glass and also showing, you know, not being afraid to shoot the ball when he had a mismatch down low on top of it. And, and incredibly, um, Jalen Brown still played 32 minutes somehow in this game. Um, but this is a situation where the, you hope the learning curve of getting Rob back in the starting five and getting the offensive rhythm kind of back together um, is starting to turn the corner a little bit here with that group. Yeah, probably not a coincidence that obviously not the starting five that, that we're looking for the last year starting five, but as close an approximation as you can get yeah. to that with, with Derek in there instead Derek. of Marcus. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, things start to kind of make sense again. And right, like it's a it's a blowout. How much can you really talk about it? You can revel in it. It was fun. It's against the team that we all want to see them blow out. Um, and it's good to just not have the stress of yet another overtime game and the stress of the minutes of another overtime game and, and all that. Uh, but I don't know how much you can ever really take away from a game like that. It, if they have, right, if they make 26 threes and shoot 40-something percent on them every single game, then they're going to be basically undefeated, undefeated for the rest of the year. That's just not going to happen, right? <laughs> I don't think that this is a game that you can can look at and be like, ah, we've we've solved everything and the team is uh, is is going to be dominant for the rest of the way. You just, right, like sometimes it just things get rolling and out of hand and, and that's what happened. And great. I would love to have it happen again next game. Um, but in the moment, it, it's a lot of fun. I wish they had broken 50. It would have been fun if they had been up by 50. It would be really fun if they won by 50, but... I guess I'll have to settle for 43. Settle for 43. You know, it's a future goals for the the next match against the Nets, which always seem to be one of these lopsided games over here. But all right. So we're the Celtics are on top of the Eastern Conference by, I believe, two and a half games. Yeah. Two over and a half, the, two in the loss column. Two in the yeah. loss column over the Sixers. Bucks. Bucks too, right? Bucks, right. yeah. Just another, uh, I think, three behind as well. And we're one week out for the trade deadline. And there's been absolutely nothing going on. Usually there's, uh, you know, a smattering of trades here or there in the lead up of uh, end of January and at the start of February before things really heat up as we get to deadline. This year, not so much. This is, there's been, you know, beyond the Rui trade to the Lakers, uh, it's been pretty much close to nothing all season long here, at least of consequential variety. And so the question is, is the dam going to break here at some point? Are 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 there going to be some teams, Ryan? We know that th- this is pretty much a logjam in terms of competitiveness in the standings right now that have, has caused this delay. But my question to you now is, is this going to break at some point? Or are we going to see a potentially far quieter trade deadline across the league than, than expected? I wish I knew. Um, there are certainly some things at, at play. One is with the play-in games. There's just a lot of teams that are, you know, that need buyers. That means that there aren't a lot of sellers. Uh, and so I think that's probably part of what's tying it up. Uh, and then the other part of it is that there's so many teams that are over the luxury tax already that I think you have a lot of teams that are like, okay, we're just over 500 or just under 500. We're sort of in range for play-in, but hey, we're only three games out of, third place or fourth place or something, you know, we're only a couple games out of being above the play in, but also we're 
$3 million into the luxury tax and the luxury tax payouts are going to be really big. And so there's just these sort of competing things. Um, there's going to be trades. There's going to be probably the Spurs will end up taking a bunch of small salaries back and then like waving and cutting guys to get themselves up to, uh, you know, to above the the floor and, and maybe even close to the, well, I guess it would be difficult to get all the way up close to the tax line, but they're going to spend all the money that they can. I would imagine just sort of taking players like they did with Noah Vonley and getting little assets here and there because you have all these teams that that could drop a few million dollars and, and get under the tax. Um, but that's not really what we're talking about, right? We're, we're talking about, is there going to be anything big? And we're just in this cycle where like the only names being thrown out there are the same guys. It's like every team is interested in OG and Obi, I guess. Um, and nobody else can figure out who is really out there, who makes a difference. Uh, so things will happen. I mean, maybe the trade deadline will pass and be like, oh my God, everything, all it all just caught fire and all these trades happen. That that does happen sometimes. But at the moment, it just seems like there's right, there's too many buyers and, and not not enough sellers, which like personally, I think is good. I think there are. I'm for tombstone wins for getting, you know, for lottery assignment where like you'd have every team would be trying to win in the second half of the year and the, the trade market would really become difficult and players would become expensive. So I'm like, I'm not complaining about it necessarily. It's just this year, it, it doesn't seem like there's the same buyer seller balance that there are, that there have been in some other years. All right, let's take a quick break here. Talk about our sponsor bet online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from the NFL playoffs, from college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You can always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for any game out there. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Use that promo code CONS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Yeah, it's, it's clearly the, the creation of this play-in tournament that was, you know, keeping things competitive for more a bigger percentage of league throughout the year was a big part of that. And, but this is, this is a kind of a dream scenario from an NBA perspective, since you're, you know, you're looking at the standings right now. And I think 26 teams can make a legitimate case that they're in, I'd say Orlando's, you know, Orlando's only four back of the playing spot and they've been playing far better basketball lately. Um, since yeah, they the only start. play playoff games, if they only play against playoff teams from here. Right. Out, they'll definitely make it. The problem is if they have to play any bad teams, then they're, they're, and they're in trouble. If they had the, if, I don't know, maybe if they have the most difficult schedule left in the league, then they might make. <laughs> yeah, they'll be the favorites to get in, and the yeah. Celtics will be rooting heavily, oh, heavily against them. Get them into the seven. <laughs> that's all we can. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's the way the league works right now. If we're if we're nearing in on the Celtics and how they play into this, and I think you, you know, we've talked a, a lot in the last few months here and there about where things are at. But for you now, big picture wise, one week out. You have an open roster spot. You are close to full health with Marcus Smart being the last guy probably back in the fold at some point in the next week or two. I, I'd honestly tell him to stay off it until the all-star break um, and get that extra rest for him and, you know, increase the odds that he's going to be good to go for the long run in this regular season. But where um, if we're talking about just shoring up the back end of the roster, which I think is the the most likely move the Celtics would make at this point if they are to make a trade at all, which uh, what what direction do you lean in in terms of what you want to address or what you want to upgrade um, for uh, honestly, for insurance purposes more than anything else? Always the wing, right? It's always that you want yep. to upgrade the wing, but like, how do you upgrade the wing on the cheap? It doesn't really work that way because everybody needs wings and whatever. We all We all know the deal with that i don't even really know if they have an open roster spot um 
again, the Celtics have their own tax considerations in that. I suspect that like Justin Jackson probably not going to make it through the season. They'll end up he'll end up on the Spurs, right? And, hey, cut and they'll maybe that Tony phone Snell line that Greg Popovich has been wide right. open for the last couple. Well, of they years. got. I mean, they've got all this money to, to use, and they can just pick up assets and get rid of guys because that you know right now they're still below the the floor. Like right, the the Pacers used all their money to to give it to Miles Turner, which is fine, but um. So I expect that that those roster spots and like you might be talking about buyout guys, right? We know there's always you talk buyout guys. There's always some buyout guy with a big name and everybody wants to talk about it. And the Celtics have some tools in order to get them. But those guys don't really make that much of a difference in the end. Uh, By the time the buyout market sort of plays out, you've also bypassed another handful of games. And you're talking about guys here for the regular season anyway. And so like you get to a point where it's okay, we're we're adding guys for the regular season. By the time they've gotten here and gotten used to what we're doing and everything, you end up with like 10 games left because the trade deadline is so late in the year now. Um, So it's hard to say, like, how do you add to your wing depth without actually making like a, a bigger trade? Um, I don't know that they necessarily have to. I mean, my position, you've probably seen it, me talking about it, is like I've heard you and, and Forsberg were talking about guys you could get for like one first round pick, right? Throw out a bunch of names, whoever you may want to be. And I'm like, no, you, you really shouldn't do that. You should not trade one, exactly one first round pick for a guy. You either want to poach somebody who is like, you know, if you pay Pritchard, even whatever, you know, your second round picks, that's all. That's fine. You can do that. You can do nothing and sign somebody in the buyout market or just sort of cycle in. Like I said, Tony Snell might be the reason he's in Maine is because they've told him that after they move Jackson, they'll bring him in because that saves you luxury tax money, whatever. Um, Kevin Gailey gets converted from from a two way on the last day of the year. Again, all the luxury tax sort of shenanigans. Um, Any of that stuff is fine. You can go the other way and say that they should be making a much bigger move and they should be talked about in the same way that like people are talking about the Suns and the uh, the Grizzlies and whatever other team where they're saying, oh, they're going to go after OG Ananobi, right? You can absolutely, you can say that the Celtics should be involved in that game. Uh, right in the middle where it's like, we're going to trade one first round pick because of the rules around draft picks and how you what you can trade and what you'll be able to trade in the future. I'm like pretty hard against that of like, no, you should not, that level player that you get for that unless you get like a really good deal on somebody is unlikely to help you enough to be worth doing that and encumbering all of like a lot of your future flexibility for where the team is right now for all that it feels like we should be all in right now it's like okay if you're going to be all in go all in do not go a little bit in and screw yourselves up for the next couple of years when Jalen and Jason are still right they're early in their prime their prime will extend here so I don't think they should do that um but it for me it's all like my answer to this is always wings right who do you need yeah they need to add a wing it's been that for two years three years five years it's always my answer well tatum's minutes are under control so i don't understand your concern there for well he's played barely any in the last four days (laughs) no well so the i think the the so in your mind is someone like is purtle where if you get him for a straight first round pick you wouldn't do that that's still too much in your mind Okay. It's not the problem isn't that he's not too much. If they had their 2023 first round pick, like if they hadn't already made their trade yeah. when they Did, traded you, for Brogdon, you're fine. you're hampering your flexibility because you have to trade yeah. 2025 and that means you can only trade one first round pick in the future now that's well, not. Well, you can trade two or two. I mean, but well, it's one's two. already encumbered with the 2020 with the Spurs pick swap essentially. And that encumbrance lasts years. Like that encumbrance lasts a, a while. It's not that it clears at the next draft because you owe 2020 so you can't trade 2024 until the day of the draft of 2024 yeah. you could draft and trade but right whatever like you can't this offseason you can't trade 2024 25 is already gone you can't trade 26 so you can trade 27 and 29 
but then 30 you can't because you would trade 29 28 is already a swap like you get so limited that if a player who's worth going all in right if you flame out in the second round and you're like okay we want to make a significant change here to how the, the roster is structured like you can't and you're not going to keep turtle so if jason and jalen were 31 and 32 then it would be a different conversation but it's like you just can't do that thing. and that's not like bad they all the point is they already made that trade when they traded yeah, for Brogdon. Yeah, Brogdon and if right now, player. Brogdon was sitting on another team and you were like, could you get Malcolm Brogdon for one first round pick for your 23? Like, of course, yes, go ahead and do that. That would be totally fine. It's just they've already made their trade for the one draft pick level guy. You can't then you can't do it again midseason without it kind of screwing you up. So either go bigger, think bigger, or just sort of, you know, take it easy and see what, what develops on the cheaper side of the market. So in all likelihood, then if they stick to that um, rationale, which makes a lot of sense in terms of maintaining your future flexibility and ability to, you know, be in the mix for one of those guys down the line without being unencumbered there, then you're looking at, you have Payne Pritchard and a boatload of, you know, current and future second round picks along with the Galnari, the TPE. These are all the weapons at your disposal here to make a, a more marginal addition to the fold. And so I guess well, one other thing we haven't even talked about here, Payne Pritchard's recent remarks on the point forward podcast, where he pretty much yeah. laid out that, you know, I'm asked for a trade here after the year, essentially, because, or sometime, sometime a switch in the situation here when with white and Brogdon and smart under contract for two or three more years, I don't think that, change is going to be happening so does that fact in itself make you more likely to shop him around in the present to find that maybe if it's not a wing even just the the insurance big that is an upgrade on luke cornett yeah but i mean that can be anything right that could also be that you're trading him for um, a veteran point guard right another yeah, another guard who, who goes or another just sort of movement shooter, something like that, who has a couple of years left. And what I think he's really saying is like, I'm not going to sign an extension this off season. He doesn't really have any control over it, uh, but you completely get it. He's an, an older player for, for a rookie contract. Uh, and he was playing deep in the playoffs last year. And this year he's been marginalized and like everybody understands it. I don't think anybody blames him for looking, you know, wandering eye and saying like, Hey, I think I can, if I'm going to have a real career here that lasts beyond this contract and in the beginning of my next, like I need to, to be doing something. So, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and, and look around at, at all levels for that. That's kind of what they're always doing anyway, right? Like, they're always shopping these guys around. And like he becomes the primary piece that allows you to bring back, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, right? One of the names that's always out there. And you can do it without first-round picks. Then you probably would, would want to do that. You probably would want to do that even if he wasn't going on podcasts or the radio or, or saying things like that. Because you'd be looking at it and saying, okay, well, we have a fourth guard. But our third wing right now is Sam Hauser, who's really fallen off. From his early season um you know impressive games and it's like okay do, we don't have anybody else that we can trust in in that position at the point so like you would just be looking from roster balance perspective about that anyway even if it, it wasn't these other things in the situation um so i i think that that's obviously reasonable i'm sure that's what they're already doing that's what every right like that's that's just where you start um like i said i I think everybody, including where probably where your mind is and from, like I said, I listened to you and, and Chris on, on the last couple of episodes, 
like I think that they should be and maybe are more involved thinking bigger about this at the moment. Like when you hear the owner of the team being like, we should be more in, like I want to be all in right now that you do yeah. have to open up the idea of like, why aren't we talking about Grant Williams? Like what can you get for Gallinari and Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard and two first round picks? What yeah. does that get you in terms of a guy who can solidify you as the favorite this year and will be on the team for another year or two and you're buying bird rights for guys and like, because there's a conversation about whether or not, not just Pritchard, about like what Grant's future is and do they want to pay Grant Williams the amount that he wants to be paid with basically a stagnant season? Like, I don't think he's been that many better this year than he was last year, particularly. We we know his value in in the playoffs maybe, but like that's very realistically a conversation that the team would be having right now of like, do like I said, you know, you don't want to trade one. But if you're thinking about trading one, then you may as well trade two. Like you may as well just go in now and and see what that what that opens up for you. And so name, I mean, OG, we've already talked about in terms of names that would fall in that category. Other like sleeper type names that could I'm just looking, been poking around. That's on the hard these one. Right? Like it's like what, like a Keldon Johnson. So that's who like, I threw potentially I know, yeah, now. that's like another one in terms of there is... I don't even I don't even like Kelvin Johnson. Right, I think but he's that's... really overrated. <laughs> but it's you know it's like who was possible out there? That's the hard thing to to figure out. Right, and so like a guy like that, and that's the thing. It's like beyond that, and because you only know, you know, Detroit, Charlotte, Houston, San Antonio, those are teams open for business. Orlando is they should be open for business, but they've got nice things going. They're probably not going to want to touch any of the so, guys that you're actually interested. But in. there's one right, and that's Wendell Carter. Yeah, that you can that is talk true. about. Would you push in a lot of chips? And do they look at it and say, well, our future is Bancaro and Isaac and Bull Bull? And like we're sort of full of, you know, we've got these front court options, and like he's a he's still very young, but he would be a, a really interesting fit long term for the for the Celtics as well, for any team. Um, and like, would you go in heavy enough to be like, look, we'll give you Grant Williams, who if you think of Carter as sort of a, a hybrid power forward center, then you could play him at at power forward, Van Carroll maybe as a center long term. Like you get a lot of conversations in there, your first round picks, all that. I don't think there's anything really there, but just the point of like you it's very difficult to find the guy that you're talking about for that package. And like, right, if it's not OG, who I again like he's been my guy who I've been saying like they should be targeting for a while because of even last year when everybody was like, You're crazy. Nobody he's not gonna ever trade it. He's the next cornerstone of the franchise. But I'm like, all right, okay, sure. I don't believe that. But um but the the stuff they're talking about where oh somebody's gonna give three unprotected first round picks, you're like, well, he's actually not worth that. Yeah. Um, so it is difficult in a in a really what appears to be a really heavily seller's market to figure out who that player is. And that's why it's I think everybody then sort of goes, okay, well, they should be looking at that. Maybe they are, but it's probably not gonna happen. And so you end up back where we we're just talking about like what does Peyton Pritchard and two second round picks get you, right? Like I get the cycle and why you end up in that place for the conversation. Um But this is an important conversation to have, like these names, like that. This is the first domino like to, to fall. Like you you can separate yourself in terms of, like you're you're the odds on favor right now by Vegas odds. It's obviously just a slight favorite. Um, but you can in theory, one more big swing right now, you could change turn yourself into a clear cut favorite. And you also have to protect against other teams in the East, you know, trying to get ahead of you with making a similar type of trade, whether that's yeah. Milwaukee or Philly, and they don't have you know, both of those teams have limited assets, but they have some intriguing players and some, you know, first round picks in the holster um, in the case of, of Philly. So that's stuff that you have to account for when you're trying to weigh your options on this front. 
Yeah. And then there's all the stuff that you don't really want to get into about, again, there's luxury tax considerations. The Celtics are pretty deep in already. And are they going to be able to add money? And what do they have for matching salary? And so that sort of drops out some of the other names, right? John Collins isn't really viable because yeah. of who you would have to have for matching salary. So you cut more names out as you go. And that's where, you know, where again, where I end up with players who I'm not super hyped about, but also you look at it and you say, yeah, but you are the number one seed right now. And it's like, you know, flags fly forever and, and all that. And, and like, I come back to Keldon Johnson in part because it's like, oh, well, he would actually save you a bunch of money this year. And maybe that opens up some other possibilities sure. down the line. And would, uh, and he's a lot seems to really love long contracts, right? Contract control. Um, and so it, it is difficult to find the guy who you're talking about, but there are a couple of them out there. And I think those are calls worth having and, and worth investigating. And if, if you can get that guy, if you can get the guy who everybody would think is a two first round pick player, but you can get him for one first round pick and Grant Williams and, and Peyton Pritchard, then it's like, when I say you shouldn't trade for a player who is one first round pick value, I mean, like, literally, if you were saying, how much would this guy be in a vacuum? Okay, he's Yaka Pertle with a half a season left. I guess maybe he's worth one protected first round pick. Like, you shouldn't go for that guy. If you can get the guy who's worth two picks, but you get him for a pick and player, like, Right. It's not that you can't only trade one pick. It's that you have to get a player who is high enough ceiling in order to be worth it to encumber yourself in, in that way and to be giving up the player. So I don't know. I think everybody understands that. But just to be clear, I'm not an idiot. Um, <laughs> Wait, you're not? No. So you get um, into like some of that, that difficult stuff. I just think you can, you can think small on the day of the trade deadline, sort of. You can think small in the buyout market. Like, you can go for the big... You, they should be thinking big right now. And again, I'm sure they are. Like, I'm not saying that they aren't. Just because you're not hearing about it in the media, they're, they just seem to be less leaky than they were under Ainge, right? Um, but I think that those are the types of things that they should be talking about now, a week away. And then it's like, if you get down to the day of or the day before, and it's like, all right, well, I guess we're talking about trading Justin Jackson and some second-round picks, and then bringing in Tony Snell for our last roster spot. Like you can do that at the end. You don't need to, that that doesn't take back and forth forever and supplant your ability to, to talk about bigger things. It's really too bad that every team is good. Every team. Yeah. That this is, <laughs> and that like a lot of teams have these contracts that you said are just a little too big for what the Celtics realistic budget is, or just are at positions of, redundancy for them right now where it's like okay that's you know that's not going to do anything for them w on top of what their depth chart looks like right now so it's yeah it, looking through it, it is really tough to find the type of player that you know checks those boxes Atlanta even a team like you know there's Atlanta has so many intriguing guys but like you're not like Bogdanovich isn't expiring at this point. He's 30 and he's just not, you know, he'd be a fine, you know, an additional offensive wing creative in theory, but it realistically, you're not going to give up what Atlanta yeah. would be looking for in that situation. Just the, for salary matching. It, right. Just for, yeah, just for salary matching. Like you're just not going to, you're not you going to give wanna... up Grant for a guy who's got two or three years left and is 25 years old. You can't really give up Grant for a 30 year old, expiring at a position that's no. not like you're yeah it's no there's too much risk involved there yeah and yeah. and you're not not necessarily is a clear-cut upgrade when you factor in all the other moving parts that have to go along and it's like 
30 million dollars more in cash again we don't want to talk about the luxury tax stuff because you yeah, want to think you're the one you can pay anything but there is some budget they are already beyond the budget that i think we all said would be acceptable and you get to salary matching but if that salary matching is five million dollars below or you know even a few million dollars below and you're multiplying that by four times like it, the money gets there's a, an amount where ownership might be like i don't I know right. we go on like, TV we're gonna, and say we're all in, but like, eh, let's... We're going to do it for that? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna, exactly. like, we're gonna pay that And much. we're giving up first round picks, <laughs> and we're giving up a guy who was, you know, guarding Kevin Durant and Giannis last year. Uh, okay, maybe not. All right, so with that in mind, as we wrap up here, let's... I'm going to throw in some random low-cost guys that won't fit the bit, like the big bill of swinging for the fences and, you know, firing, you know, fearing into the what the Celtics have in terms of what they're able to offer and obviously fit, fitting into their, their payroll here. But so this is, these are the the smaller swings, but could conceivably help you here. I, one team that hasn't been talked about a ton from a, a Celtics perspective, I feel like it's Houston in terms of like having, in, you know, it's Jay Sean Tate. Is that what we're going to I mean, Tate were no, I'm, I'm also looking at Kenyon Martin jr. As like a low cost guy. Like what, what do you they like him quite a bit, don't they? Oh, I guess he's, he's like sort of a malcontent sometimes. He, I don't know. They all are in Houston. He's been asking out exactly. I feel like yeah. Houston is an absolute mess, yeah. and they're gonna Martin's under contract for another two years, so they don't have to money, they don't have to move him. Tate's under contract for three years total, they don't have to move him, obviously. But like, what if you are, you know, would either of those guys be worth, you know, Pritchard in a couple seconds? And yeah. in the case of Tate, like, I don't know what you're doing a little bit more or even, you know, if you move Grant somewhere else, like having him kind of take in the Grant role, like what's what, what's your, how do you gauge either of those guys? I, mean, I don't, you can also put Garrison Matthews in there too, as another guy who's like on their roster, who like you could imagine taking into a final roster spot. But I think those guys are more of, you take those guys into a final roster spot, not guys who you're trading Peyton Pritchard for, who was playing in the conference finals in the finals last year. Like, yeah, I think that that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, if you can get them for, you know, I, that, unfortunately, that Houston second round pick looks like it's going to convert way down the second the second round because Houston is so bad. Um, but if you can get it for if you can get that kind of guy for a couple of second round picks, then great. Fine. That's I'm all for it. Any basically anybody who the scouting team thinks is worth taking a flyer on at that price. I'm like, sure. I, OK, <laughs> maybe it'll work out. Um, Tate is useful to an extent. Um, can't really shoot, <laughs> but he can't really shoot. Neither can can Martin like Martin's super athletic. He'd be fun. But neither of those guys are going to like, it would be very difficult for me to imagine Joe Mazzullo looking down the bench and being like, ah, you are the answer to me cutting Jason Tatum's minutes by six minutes a game, right? Like, yeah, they're just not going to make that that big of a difference, I don't think. But, but again, like if you're adding them because they're, you think they're an upgrade on Justin Jackson, then fine, cool. I, <laughs> that, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, but I don't, I don't know how much of it, none of them are going to make a difference or they'd cost more, right? Yeah. Um, you brought up the Pritchard for like Vanderbilt hypothetical. That's the one everybody looks at. That's I like, I feel like that's, that's one that actually could make sense on both. I mean, I guess Utah, yeah, does have, in Utah. Yeah, like, age in Utah, obviously he's yeah. a, that's a Pritchard guy. Yeah. Conley, you know, they, they, there could be, whether it's Conley or Clarkson, like I expect one of those guys to be gone. So maybe some, you know, minutes to, they have Colin sex in there, but they're, I don't think they're like, in love with him by any means. And so bringing in at least a, a backup point guard um, or at least a backup shooter. Yeah. That, there's that a little team. bit more long-term 
juice there as well, right? Like they would expect right. to be able to try to re, you know re-sign him and say, hey, we can give you a larger role. Maybe not for the rest of this year, but even if they don't trade one of those guys right now, they're not all they not all going to be on the team next year, I would imagine. So, um, but there's a lot of teams who are going to want Vanderbilt, and it's it's one of those touchy things where it's like, how much do you do you value Pritchard? Because if Pritchard and two second round picks can get him, fine. Yeah. If as soon as you start again, as soon as you start talking about a first round pick, it's like, no, it's just other teams can do that. The Celtics should not do that. I guess the other, you know, intriguing name on this roster who's kind of overperformed this year in terms of expectations is a guy like Mark and like, Ryan. what, what's, uh, what do you think it would theoretically take to, to get him off of Danny Ainge's hands or as he moved into a different category at this point? That's the problem, right? He's probably moved into a different category as the team has moved into a different place than we, where we thought they were going to be. He's, I assume going to be an all-star in the all-star game in Utah. If they had been, if they were only three or four games below where they are now, if he hadn't played quite to the level that he has played, then I think it would become an interesting, at least conversation. Um, my concern is that he would go back to being the player he was in Chicago and and in wherever else he's been along the way. If you put him next to Jason and Jalen, instead of having him be the sort of focal point of that offense and, and maybe not worth the the haul that they would would demand for him. But it goes to the question, you know, the point that I've been making about you don't always have to look at the eighth man and ninth man on these other teams rosters. You can look at the top of some of these rosters and say like, if we offered two unprotected first round picks or an unprotected and a protected or, or whatever it might be. And, and marketing would under other circumstances that aren't like too far into the alternate realities here would be interesting. But with where he is, even with the relationship with Ainge, I, that one's really hard to see. Right. Um, but I think like, that's the the conversations that they have probably been having over the last couple of weeks and and will for the next few days before they again might have to pivot to the to some of the the really smaller stuff. Vanderbilt, I don't think is a smaller thing. I think Vanderbilt's an actual conversation that they probably already had about about Pritchard. And I imagine Utah's like we want a first, and other teams around the league are going to be no. And so if they really want to move him, which I guess the good news for Celtics and other teams is like Utah looks like they have their center of the future. That's not Vanderbilt. That is Walker Kessler. So that makes him at least. Someone what who's... position is Vanderbilt? Like that's part of the kind of right. Well, that's thing. I mean, to, <laughs> hard to figure that out. Like, what what exactly is he? That's part of the problem for trading him here, and why it's you can't give up too much for him. Is that Williams? So he's basically a Rob Williams backup, but he's not really a center. So what is he exactly? And like, it seems to be would be a really nice fit in between Jason and and Al. But then again, you're you're talking about a Rob Williams backup, and if Rob is hurt and you're playing Jared Vanderbilt as your starting center, you're not going to win the title anyway. Like. So but again, I'm not saying that I'm against trading for him. Completely would make sense and be a, a fine addition for the right price. But that for the right price is is because the Celtics have already traded their 2023 first is looms over a lot of players of this kind of level. New Orleans, I feel like, are, is in a spot where they're likely to do though, something. Right? You think they're going to have to wait? I think like... they're going to buy. I mean, they've lost all these games without Zion, but like they have to yeah. look at it and be like, well, Zion is going to, and Brandon Ingram just came back. Like Zion's going to come back and then we're going to be good again. I don't think they can be sellers. The only thing is that they have so many of sort of similar type players with, with Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels coming in and, and Ingram and Trey Murphy. Like they have these sort of wingish players where they, they got to trade one of their bigs too. one too many. They've got so many yeah. bigs. And well, Jackson, they want to trade Jackson Hayes, but he sucks. Right. So. He does suck. Yeah, you don't want to. Like, <laughs> What's the, the premium? You're not getting anything. Hernan Gomez has been rumored, Whatever. but that's he's like Gomez. What, he's Hernan Gomez. Him. Exactly. It's like that's a maybe a, a second round pick if you're if nothing else pops up. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Second round pick and and a TPE like yeah. cool. I'm totally fine with that. Like I right. like I've said, it's just 
whatever. But you should be aiming higher. Like you're that yeah, this is definitely. like, you know, the last couple. There's of nobody on Indy. That's the other team. You look at them and you say, okay, well, they just extended Turner, but they've sort of fallen back and they have maybe now that Turner is extended and they've got Halliburton, they know he's going to be the centerpiece of their for like, but they just don't have anybody on their roster who you look at either and they're like, ah, that guy. There's names in there that you can you can look at and be like, okay, well, I kind of like that guy or not, but he'll makes too much. That's not going to happen. And then you get down the list and you're talking about just players. And you're like, well, how exactly are you going to work out that, that trade? Um, but it's at least a team that's positionally interesting because you could imagine them saying, Hey, you know, listen, I know we had a fun first third of the year, but like we have a chance to get fall back here and add another top 10 pick to, you know, to Halliburton and Matherin. And then we really be cooking. So you could look at them and maybe they want to take a step back too. I just, unfortunately, again, like, I don't know who the name is. That makes a lot of sense there. Daniel Tice. That does. It's always Daniel Tice. That's your answer. Uh, does, does Josh Hart do anything for you? So he's think- one of the exact names who I'm like, the problem is the price, right? It would be, he is a player who should cost one first round pick. Yeah. And it's, and if it like right the exact same thing if you were talking if the question was would you trade your 2023 first round pick for Josh Hart right now i would say yes would i trade my 2025 first round pick for Josh Hart having already traded 2023 and i don't even know how much money he makes and what the salary matching would be i don't remember off the top of my head um it's just it's he like, makes 13 13 million so you do 13, like gallo right? so gallo and pritchard pritchard and then jackson gets you it's all gonna be your tax team so the restrictions on salary matching are a little tight like okay that's manageable not a huge deal but pritchard and and the 20 i don't think you can actually like you should actually do that right now unless if it was 2023 great if jalen and jason were much older understandable right now i think you have to not make that mistake yeah, and there's really nothing else there that no. I mean, Winslow is not going to do anything for you at this point, even though he is technically. And every, any given week, they look like they're going to be a playoff team because yeah. Dame does what he does yesterday and makes a million shots. And it's just like, we all know what their problem is. Their problem is the same problem they've always had. And it's that they've got two small scoring guards <laughs> and one of them is great and one of them isn't quite so great. And we all know what their team is and, and they probably do as well. But unless they're going to put Jeremy Grant out there as as a trade candidate and then you again are right back into that like okay is this a fit at a higher price um i don't i don't know i don't know where else you are with that team it's why it's really hard to make trades right now it's hard to make trades all right so we'll wrap up here what's your what's your favorite what's your ideal like small move addition for this team you've you've thrown a few out there on twitter over the last few weeks I don't think I'm any different from anybody else, right? Like, I think Vanderbilt would be a good addition uh, if they could get him at at that price. Um, I, I would, I would love if they would offer Herb Herb Jones up if we could get him in. You know, Pritchard in seconds for for Herb Jones. I don't think that he's going to be available for that low of a price, even with. I don't think he's a great fit when New Orleans is fully healthy, and I don't know if he's really a long term piece there because they just have other guys who can shoot, and when you have Zion, you need you know, you should be putting more shooting around him. So like, there's that, that type of thing, but I don't think it's realistic. Uh, so I don't, I don't really have an interesting answer to that. I, I think it again, would be completely reasonable if they like move one guy off the roster at the end and bring in Tony Snell on a third of a season contract. And no, I'm, that's not a little bit of money and not and acceptable on the last day of the year. They're like, ah, Kevin Gelly, you get, you get a year of NBA contract here before being on the roster for a day. Um, and, and it's all just sort of like money moving stuff because, 
when they're all healthy, they're all the team's already really good. I just I just wish Sam Hauser could make more shots. I think it's if they don't add, if they don't use the TPE or whatever they need to do to add an insurance big, I think that's it's not a it's it's that's, oh I don't care about insurance like, big at all. I you don't care about insurance big like I. Yeah. You need to have someone who's better than Luke Cornett. Or, you're not going to get I, somebody better I, than Luke Cornett. You're going to think you got somebody better than Luke Cornett. And they're gonna you're going exactly to have to have an alternative. You're going to have to have an alternative to what Luke Cornett does. Okay. I don't think you're going to get that get in somebody. a bio market. I mean, you that's think you fine. get that in the market? Yeah. Like, yeah I think that's always you, available. You need a rebounding market. big that's better than Noah Vonley that you already dumped. And so if you can find that just for those situations and potentially so you can have that alternative for Joe Mazzula in the regular season when these guys should be resting back to backs and are just resting more in general. I think that that needs to be done with second round picks and whatever matching salary running, you know, keep Pritchard. If you, if the guy's obviously not good enough to, to move him for, but I think to, to rely strictly on the buyout market for that, given I would expect like a decent, you know, the easiest thing to acquire on the trade market should be in theory, like a, a, I just, you know, a fourth big or whatever. Like you, you should care. be able to do that. <laughs> I, they're the number I, one team in the league, and Rob Williams. Has you need to have that minutes. insurance. Have that. He's played four hundred minutes, and they're already number one. Like they have already shown that they don't need that insurance in order to be the best team in the league or the, mm. the best regular season team in the league without Rob. Like Rob comes back, you need that less than what they already did when they were the number one team in the league. Like Cornette has been fine. He's been fine, and the few times they've been like, okay, Blake Griffin, we're going to throw you out. He's had his moments. Like whoever you get is going to be the exact same level of player who you have. And fifteen games after you add them, you're going to be going. Oh man, we should have added somebody better at the trade deadline. It's too bad there's nobody out there. It's just like that's life as a fourth big. It's just they're just not that good. Mason Plumley, no, whatever. Um. Mason Plumley sucks. Um, <laughs> and Mason Plumley, like again, if they, I say the exact same thing I said before. If you can get him for nothing and it's just money, I don't care. Fine, it's not my money. Like if the if yeah. the owner if ownership greenlights it for Mason Plumley and you can and coaching and scouting says yeah we think that that he's a significant upgrade okay but like what is the situation where you're going to be playing him in the playoffs where it like is better than cornet or or grant williams playing center and just adding more minutes to robin allen saying like if we're going to win the title we need to have them play a bunch of minutes and get lucky that they stay healthy i just i don't know i mean you're not gonna be this guy isn't this guy isn't playing in the playoffs unless those guys are hurt but if they're hurt you're not winning what you want to win anyway so it's like, and I know you can't just totally throw it away and be like, oh, yeah. well, that's the end of it. Right. Well, that's but what's, what's kind of mentality is. is that? I mean, they reality <laughs> like that's it's I'm like sorry, if you're had... not going to get past. You're not going to get past Philly and Milwaukee if you don't have Rob and Al both healthy. What if Chris and Middleton Miles, gets and... hurt again? And what if James Harden gets hurt? Like, okay. like, you so know, like this, which has happened last both, year. If everybody gets hurt on. on this is not everybody. Then, this is a couple like, guys that get Mason hurt a lot. is not good is the problem <laughs> like Mason Plumley is good at the thing that he's doing which is that he's scoring you know he can score he would score points for the Celtics to uh, you could put him in Rob's role on offense and it would be fine as long as you tell him if you ever shoot a jump shot again we're never playing you um Joe Joe's pretty direct in his conversations I think that that's yeah a... if you went to him and said you have 12 percent usage you know I, mean, I don't like bad, Plumley. Like, I'm just throwing him out but... like like I this I know, I know, you, I know. Pino this is was, just was like through him. Pino was yeah, like, Pino's Mason Plumley's good. Plumley you go get him, and I'm just sitting there listening. I'm like, what, Mike? You've been listening. You've been watching the NBA for years. You know this is wrong. <laughs> like, no, he's not. In the playoffs, he's not. He's just, and you'd have to give up stuff to get him. But if you can yeah. get it for nothing, I don't care. 
that's yeah. cool fine i just i think that the idea that they need to have another cent another big is like if they can add one on the buyout market i'm totally fine if they add one for nothing i'm totally fine i just think that it's like grant is a small ball option cornet is the big ball option and then you you just if they don't stay healthy with with al and rob then i just worry that you get I, for second round picks yeah no, I mean, I just I worry about Cornette's like defensive rebounding in the playoffs. If he's if you ever need to like use him, well, fortunately, um, Jason Tatum is now one of the best defensive rebounders yeah, in the league. This is fair. This is fair. out of nowhere. Like he was like, uh, well, he woke up one day and was like, oh, you know what this team really needs to rebounding. Now I'm a power forward who's going to get all the defensive rebounds. Uh, it's actually like that's not even like a small thing or a joke. Like he actually has become a really useful defensive rebounder in matchups where we've needed it. <laughs> He got mad when I asked about his rebounding earlier. She was like, yeah, of course I can rebound like this. And I'm like, oh, okay. But this is... It's been yeah. better. I mean, it's been it's not, he wasn't a better. bad rebounder. Before, no, he's always been he good for... He, he was like a small position. forward rebounder before, and now yeah. he's like a power forward rebounder. And it makes a big difference when you're, when you're playing with with 30-whatever-year-old Al Horford or Grant Williams or whatever. It's like he covers... he on In every way, he covers lots of gaps. When you want to be... When you think you're going to be the MVP, you this is stuff that can potentially separate you. So um so far so good on that front all right that's it Give for us big trade i gave my on, big trade right. i okay. gave the big trade i gave you my guy like, whatever there is would you if they could get if they could get ananobi for two let's just say unprotected first round picks and grant and pritchard and then gallinari to make the math work would you do it yes never going to be an all-star very likely never gonna never going to be an all-star Mick might walk after next season I think I would do it too, even though I don't think he's actually worth that in a vacuum. But like the team is not in a vacuum; they're first no. in the league, right? Um, that that's just so like you do it. I I think you because you look at what you're you're losing, what you're like you're you're keeping. You can give the money that you're going to give the grant to yeah. him, and then yep. obviously pay overpay him to account for that. Maybe moving forward a little bit to get him to stay, and winning would kind of cure everything. Well, two years from now, you probably have to pay him thirty. If you're yeah, keeping it, but that's you but probably that's, have to trade Brogdon, who's going to be 33 or right, 32, which 30, is fine, right? which times up that's anyway. Fine. Two that. years down the line, those things are going to have to happen regardless. Right. Next year, you're paying Ananobi 18 instead of Grant 13 or 14. Like there's some amount of money in there that yeah. may have to get worked out. But the, really what you're saying is Grant for extending at the end of this year for or re-signing at the end of this year for four more years plus two unprotected picks. And like we said, Pritchard is probably moving on anyway at some point in the not too distant future. For Ananobi, who, like I said, I think he's, as an offensive player, he's certainly overrated. As a defensive player, maybe he's as good as as advertised. But undeniably, smart, Brown, Tatum, yeah, Ananobi, that's your final piece Williams, then, or, right, you know, right. yeah, like that's a title favorite team, uh, adding to a team that might already be the title favorite. Like, I think I would do it too, even though it's, it makes me a little bit like, I don't think he's worth it, but. It's probably at not, but moment, that's, you're gonna have this, to overpay. At this moment, you got to overpay. I mean, I said it right at at the end of at the end of last season too. Actually, I think going into the, the finals, I said whether or not this team is defending champion or, um, you know, or defending finalists, my number one target for this offseason and next year would still be OG Ananobi, even though I know you'd have to overpay for him. And yeah, I take it back though. I wouldn't do it. I need I need a sweet year from Toronto, and I <laughs> I need you need Wancho back. You need Wancho back. I'm sure they would. Well, you probably do end up taking somebody back just to make the roster spot. I know, I know, I'm kidding. Um, And that may be who it is. I'm sure he would be excited. He would be ecstatic because of how much he loved it here. Oh man! All right. So that that's there's your pie in the sky. 
uh small scale stuff i'd be on the, i'm also on the, the vanderbilt train or on the um i don't know i'm not even like one of the charlotte guy i guess i guess pj why we even talk about him i think that's another type of guy that's just the first round pick that i don't think it's not gonna work with it you don't even think it's worth the first well i just um, you look at Right, but they I just traded. What did what did Hachimura move for? Right, multiple seconds. seconds These guys yeah. who are going to be restricted free agents never bring as much as you think their names are going to be. It's been that way for five or six years now. They're they're always like they get traded. And people are like that's that's it. And then everybody who watches these things is like, no, that's actually a totally fair value and what what they should go for. Just like Hachimura, I think that you can get PJ Washington unless right. they're thinking like we definitely he's part of our future and they just don't want to trade him at all if he goes on the market it'll be multiple second round picks yeah i feel like it's like him or i feel like they have to choose between him or mcdaniels because you're probably not going to pay both of those guys yeah and if the celtics added year. him they would then have to choose between him and grant williams right it's just right. is he worth it for this year swapping peyton pritchard and a, and a second round pick or two second round picks for him like again yeah sure that that actually makes a lot of sense to me yeah uh it's just that you know coming in like this is a, a pure rental unless grant gets a there's a little bit of insurance in case somebody offers Grant 18 million a year and you're like, well, well, we can just get PJ Washington for half that. Right. <laughs> They're not both going to get offer sheets. But no, if you can screw it, throw like three second round picks, Pritchard, whatever other filler you need, if they if they will bite on that, I think that's 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 a no brainer in my mind, because that's something that's a decent insurance policy. A guy who would be nice to have in your rotation, but you don't like need him in your rotation um, in the playoffs. And yeah, like you said, and, and decent insurance for grant negotiations after the year, since both of those guys will be restricted um, at that point. So yeah, there you go. There's mine. Um, all right. Fall Ryan at Danger Cart on Twitter. We'll be all over the traded line in the next week. Ryan will be back at some point in the aftermath um, of everything. And rate, review, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Everyone in the meantime, Ryan. Um, when's the next trade going to happen around the league? Final it probably happened while we were recording. Yeah, right. Did it just happen? Right Has it already happened? It's in the past now. Alex Crusoe dealt. No, nothing is probably uh, no, But just only a matter of time. All right, stay tuned. We'll be on top of it. Thanks for listening, everyone.